Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and his journey back to God. Today we're in the last chapter of Jonah. We're in Jonah 4. And again, it's a very short chapter, only 10 verses. And so I've been looking up and I've been reading some of Charles Spurgeon's works and writings on on Jonah and Jonah 4. And I'm going to do a little bit of reading from him at the end of this quick reading of four and and some of the insights that he has that he's providing are very good if i read it it would take probably close to an hour to read it to y'all so that's not going to happen but the insights are there and they're very good and i just thought i'd share some of them that hit home with me but before we do that let's go ahead and start with a word of prayer father i thank you for this day thank you for all that you've done You are God. You are the one who created all things. And yet you care about us. You care about me. You care about each and every one of us. And so I lift up this time, Father, to say thank you. I pray that today, today, throughout the day, I would have a grateful heart, a heart and a mind and a spirit that really is open to you and is thankful to you for all that you've done for me. And I just pray that today that I touch the people in the right way, that my heart and my, my words would be from you, and that the people I come in contact with would know that they're loved by you. So Father, open our hearts and our minds and our spirits as we read, and I just pray that our spirits would grow closer to you and fellowship with you more. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So Jonah 4 verse 1, we have to remember that Jonah has just spoken in the city, and the whole city converted or repented. And so you think about, and this is some of what what uh, Spurgeon is talking about, that our trials and our tribulations are really just preparation for something, a mission that God has for us. The mission may be as great as Jonah's. That in one speech, he gets an entire city of 100,000 plus people to repent. Or it, be, it may be talking to a friend who's having a, a tough time and we understand. And we can help them understand that even though they're going through trials, God loves them and is there for them and is in the trials with them. So it depends upon, it just you know, whatever the the mission is or the purpose is, we are being prepared just as Jonah was. So with that, verse 1, chapter 4. But, jo- but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He wasn't happy they were all repenting and weren't going to have vengeance brought down on them. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That this is, that, that is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarsus, he knew that they would repent. He knew that God's mercy and grace would be upon them and they wouldn't get destroyed. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, who, now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. So Jonah's doing something I do. I, get, I pout. Now, I don't pout necessarily and be angry at God. 
Sometimes, yeah, a lot of times I do. But he's just being a normal person, and it's pretty pretty funny. He's still a man of God. He's still a man of prayer. He's just pouting and angry because he really doesn't like Nineveh. He hates them. They they did something bad to him. But the Lord replied, "Is it right for you to be angry?" Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he had made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant, a leafy plant, and made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade for his head to ease his com- discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorched east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die. (laughs) Uh, And said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animal and livestock? So, you know... Jonah's ticked off about something that he didn't even create or do. And there's God saying, hey, shouldn't I be, shouldn't I then be concerned about a great city full of people and animals that are lost and confused? And yet I created all those people. Shouldn't I be concerned about them? So God's really prepares Jonah. And I'm just going to read a little bit of, of Spurgeon to you. And again, this is what he wanted people to read before he preached to them. And I'm telling you, this is huge. Um, it is really long. But anyway, so he starts with, I want to lay, lay the stress, especially upon these three sentences in my text. God prepared a gourd. God prepared a worm. God prepare, prepared a vehement east wind. <clears throat> the life of Jonah cannot be written without God. Take God out of the prophet's history and there is no history to write. This is equally true of each one of us. Apart from God, there is no life, no thought, nor act, nor career of any man, however lowly or however high. Leave out God and you cannot write the story of anyone's life. If you attempt it, it will be so ill-written that it shall be clearly perceived that you have tried to make bricks without straw and that you sought to fashion a potter's vessel without clay. I believe that in a man's life, the great secret of strength, holiness, and righteousness is the acknowledgement of God. When a man has no fear of God before his eyes, there is no wonder that he should run to an excess of meanness and even to an excess of riot. In proportion as the thought of God dominates the mind, we may expect to find a life that shall be truly and really worth living. But in proportion as we forget God, we shall play the fool. It is the fool who says in his heart, no God, and it is the fool who lives and acts as if there were no God. Now I can speak from from experience. I've said no, God. I've told you no. I've told him no. And I was a fool. And things did not go well. In Jonah's life, we may we meet with God continually. 
the Lord bade the prophet to go to Nineveh. But instead of going there, he took ship to go to Tarshish. Quick as thought, at the back of that announcement, we read, But the Lord sent a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. God hurled out the wind as if he had been throwing a thunderbolt after his servant, who was seeking to escape him. And there was such a terrible storm that the shipmen were, compa- were compelled to cast Jonah overboard. Then we read in the 17th verse of the first chapter, The Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up, swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. God began by preparing a storm, but he went on to prepare a fish. We don't know what kind of fish it was. It doesn't matter. It was one that God made on purpose, and it answered so well that Jonah lived in the fish's belly for three days and three nights. And then he was landed safely. A better man than when he went into the sea, though none too good even then. So he goes into the, he gets thrown into the sea because he's running, right? But God has a plan for him and he, he keeps him safe. He prepares, but he still goes through a pretty tough time. But the time he went through caused him to call out to God for help and salvation. You may have found, dear friend, that God has prepared a storm in your life. There was a tempest which checked you in your your career of sin. You had determined to go to destruction, and you had paid the fare, but there came a great trial. Something or, or other that stopped your ship and utterly threatened to swallow it up. After that, there came delivering mercy. You who were cast into the sea were nevertheless not lost, but saved. What you judged to be your destruction turned out to be for your salvation. For God had from, the, from old prepared that the means of saving you, and he sent you such a deliverance that you were compelled to say with Jonah, Salvation is of the Lord. Since that time I should not wonder if you had, not, if you had seen the hand of God in very many amazing ways, possibly in much the same form as Jonah did, not literally, but spiritually, especially if you, if you have erred as Jonah did. If you have fallen into ill humors as he did, you have probably had to bear the same kind of discipline and chastisement. Jonah was a man of faith and a man of prayer, and God honored him exceedingly by making his word turn the whole city upside down. For my part, I hardly know of any other man who ever had so high an honor put upon him as this man had. It is just possible that if you or I had made a king on his throne to come down from it and robe himself in sackcloth. And if we had seen the whole city, men and women and children, all crying out for mercy as a result of one of our sermons from us, we might have been as greatly foolish through the intoxication of pride as this man was foolish through his vehement zeal for God, which happened to take a harsh shape instead of being tempered, softened, and sweetened by recognition of the great love and kindness of God and by a sweet delight in those gracious attributes of his character. So, like I said, this just keeps going on and on and on. Um, There's three things that he wants to remind us all, though. That God's with us in our comforts. You know, God prepared the gourd, and that protected his head from the heat. And then also that God's with us in our bereavement and losses. He prepared a worm. He was there. But that worm and that that loss, there was teaching moments there. There was opportunities that caused us to grow closer. And then finally, 
God's there in our heaviest trials. Jonah couldn't escape the fury of the east wind, and the, the sun was beating upon his head. It was an incredibly hot situation, and God was there. It was so bad that, God, that Jonah wanted to die. But God was there and took care of him. So with us, he's there in our, in our comfort. He's there in the tough times, and then he's there with us in the really tough times because he's preparing us for something. And it's with that, that recognition that we're being prepared even in the tough times that we can rejoice because God's with us. Think of again in all the examples and acts where he was with Paul. He was with him in the prison. He was with him as he's being beaten. He was with him everywhere. He's with us even in our trials, but he's also with us in our good times. So with that, I'm just going to close us with a word of prayer. Father God, thank you for this time and this day. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. I just pray that it would go out and it would be fruitful, that it would be your words that are being spoken, that I would be removed from all of it, and that you would be the one who's honored and glorified. I pray it would touch our hearts and touch our minds. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and his journey back to God. I hope you have a great day.